With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball. From growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. America's two great pastimes collide on this podcast. It is baseball and making money from the dog days of summer through the October Classic. Greg Bases Peterson's going to be free swinging at the betting board as he tries to hit a grand slam for your bankroll. Now here is GP. Happy Friday to one and all. Greg Peterson broadcasting from the Zuniti Kilo Studios out here in lovely Las Vegas for MLB Overtime Betting. We've got a great show for you today as our good buddy Scott Hastings over at Odd Shark going to be joining me in the second segment. We're going to talk a little bit about the live wagering that he's doing in specific spots in MLB games and how he's been successful with it, as well as a little bit on Friday's slate. And in the final segment, I will be giving you a side in total on every game on today's Las Vegas betting board and a little something I like to call touch them all. Did not get any Twitter questions in for the podcast today. As always, feel free to fire them in on my Twitter feed at GNNRSquare81. If I haven't mentioned it on the podcast already, always happy to answer it. But let's take a look back at yesterday. Let's try to find some trends from it and let's try to become better handicappers from it. What trends should you pay attention to? Well, Greg is going to tell you what he has on the black. The Giants played another over and this one was for the wrong reasons as the New York Mets get a 7-3 win over the San Francisco Giants. Sean Anderson actually looks like a pretty decent starter for the Giants. He goes six innings, he gives up three runs. He hasn't been great, but he hasn't been awful. 4-1 DRA. But the bullpen of the San Francisco Giants, which has actually been one of the better ones out there in the big leagues, was not able to do the job as Mark Melanson in the eighth inning winds up giving up four runs, all of which were earned. And for the Giants, they were really lucky to be in this game. They got only three hits, but they amassed three runs with Brandon Belt getting a home run, his ninth of the year, and Pablo Sandoval, his eighth dinger of the year. And that, those were the blemishes on Zach Wheeler's card as he went seven innings giving up those 
three runs on three hits. He now has an ERA of a 461. And then from there, Seth Lugo and Jersic Familia managed to not blow the game. As for the New York Mets, they were able to get their offense going as well. As Todd Frazier, the Todd father, winds up going deep for his fifth home run of the year. That was off of Mark Melanson. Amid Rosario goes deep for his eighth as well. And then Dominic Smith has been a very nice find for the team as well. He hits his fourth dinger of the year. So the Mets were able to have a nice showing there. The Pittsburgh Pirates have won the best pitching outing outings in a long time. This has been one of the best over teams out there in baseball so far this year. They played an under as they were able to get a 6-1 win over the Atlanta Braves. For the Braves, this was just a game of missed opportunities. They wind up drawing 8 walks. They get 7 hits, but they wind up going 0-10 with men in scoring position, leaving 10 on base as Mike Fultonavich looked better in this start. Goes 6 innings, gives up 3 runs, all of which were earned, and then the bullpen did not necessarily do their job. Sean Newcomb gave up an inning in relief and then giving up 2 more was Jacob Webb, who Actually has an ERA of a 289, so he's been all in all good for this team. And for the Pittsburgh Pirates, they got a terrific start from Chris Archer, a guy that has struggled all year long. In six innings, he gives up just one run. Now that one run was a solo home run as the bright spot for the Atlanta Braves in this one was Freddie Freeman, his 16th home run of the year, but he lowers his ERA to a 520, improves his record to a 3-5. and And then from there, the two trustworthy arms for the Pittsburgh Pirates out of the bullpen, Francisco Lariano and Felipe Vasquez, are able to close out the game with three strong innings, giving up just one hit in the process. And for the Pirates, Gregory Polanco goes deep for his sixth home run of the year. He's been dealing with injuries all year long, so that's being in Colin Moran. Seems to be on a little bit of a power surge as well. He gets his eighth home run of the year. The Tampa Bay Rays just continue to win games by two-plus runs. Of their 37 wins, 33 have been by multiple runs as they take down the Detroit Tigers by kind of 6-1. to one. In this one, the Tampa Bay Rays got two home runs from Travis DeArnaud. His first and second of the year, and Willie Adamas' sixth. They just continue to find offense from unlikely sources. And they get pitching from just a variety of sources as well. It's Ryan Stanek, the opener, winds up giving up the lone run of the game. And then Jalen Beeks, who essentially followed him, goes four and a third innings, does not give up a single run. And then from there, all the relievers, all of whom have an ERA below three, wind up being able to close out the game. As for the Detroit Tigers, the offense still is not online for this team. They went two of nine with men in scoring position. And Daniel Norris continues to be a pitcher that I look to fade. He just is not backed up by a good bullpen, and he himself is not very good. Five and two-thirds innings, he gives up three runs, all of which were earned. And then giving up an additional three runs out of the bullpen was Daniel Stump. So it has really been a rough go of it for the Detroit Tigers so far this year. It has been a rough go of it for the Kansas City Royals as well as the Boston Red Sox sweep the series and have now won four straight games. They take it by a count of 7-5 to five for the Boston Red Sox. Mookie Betts, who has been a little bit up and down so far this year, had a very good game in this one as he goes deep for his 10th home run of the year. Ryan Weber wound up only going one and one-third innings. He gave up two runs, including a home run. So it was essentially a bullpen day for the Boston Red Sox as the only guy after that that went two innings or more was Colton Brewer. He winds up going two innings, not giving up a single run. And all in all, a pretty good showing from the Boston Red Sox as their bullpen winds up going seven and two-thirds innings, and they give up three runs. So nothing great, nothing awful. And for the Kansas City Royals, they did get some power going as Chesler Cuthbert actually looks like a guy that could be able to give this team a little bit of a spark. He hits his third home run of the year. He's been up at the majors for a little bit over a week. Alex Gordon, his 10th home run of the year, and Jorge Soler, his 16th. Danny Duffio had been looking quite good to start out the year. Seems to have come back to earth a little bit, though. In two and a third innings, he gives up four runs, all of which were earned. And then Sean Barlow gives up three runs out of the bullpen as well. 
that's not a surprise with how bad the Royals bullpen has been so far this year. The Cincinnati Reds squandered a lot of chances that they had on offense as they lose to the St. Louis Cardinals by a count of 3-1. to The Reds wind up going 0-7 with men in scoring position, leaving the bases loaded a couple times as Anthony DiScalfani actually gave them a good start. He winds up going five innings, gives up just one run, but then it was Michael Lorenzen who gave up two runs, including a home run out of the bullpen that really lost the game for the Reds as Paul DeYoung hits his ninth home run of the year. That was off of Lorenzen in the seventh inning, and Dakota Hudson had a great game in this one. Six and a third innings. He gives up five hits, four walks, but just one earned run. And then from there, Andrew Miller, Jordan Hicks, and John Gant all do their job, not giving up a single run out of the bullpen. So another good showing for the St. Louis Cardinals, who have been a little bit hit or miss with the bullpen, but they get the job done there. The Miami Marlins have been white hot recently, but they wound up getting tattooed a little bit by the Milwaukee Brewers as the Brewers win this game by a count of 5-1. to one. If you're looking on betting the Brewers tomorrow, if you're looking on betting the Brewers Friday, by the way, anticipate Josh Hader not being available. He had to go and get the final four outs of this game as Miami Marlins had a couple bases loaded opportunities, but were unable to cash in. Guys that were able to cash in, though, the Brewers as they hit three home runs in this one. Christian Yelich, his 23rd home run of the year, and Mike Moustakis, his 17th and 18th of the year as Freddie Peralta was a little bit of a surprise starter in this one, and he was terrific. Goes six innings, gives up one run, nine punch outs, which was big. And for the Miami Marlins, Caleb Smith just seems to have really lost his mojo. In five innings, he gives up four runs, all of which were earned. His ERA is now at a 3-4-1. He gave up all three of those home runs. And then from there, you wound up having the Marlins only give up one run out of the bullpen. Tehran Guerrero gave that up, so not necessarily a bad sign there. But for the Marlins, went just one of nine with men in scoring position. So a lot of squandered opportunities there. A lot of squandered opportunities for the Chicago Cubs as they wind up losing this game to the Colorado Rockies by a count of 3-1. to one. For the Rockies, Peter Lambert was just out of his mind. This is a gentleman that had a career ERA above 5 at the AAA level. He goes 7 innings, giving up 1 run. That 1 run was earned, but all in all, just a terrific start. This is a man that in 5 of his last 8 starts at the AAA level gave up 4 or more runs. So that was absolutely insane. And for the Chicago Cubs, Jose Quintana was not bad in this one, but he wasn't great. 7 and third innings, he gives up 3 runs, all of which were earned. A lot of small ball from the Colorado Rockies when was blowing in, and they weren't able to get any big hits, and that was certainly the case for the Chicago Cubs as well, as they just were not able to muster much of anything other than a bases-loaded opportunity in the second inning. It just wasn't a good showing for them. This game was back and forth, as if you had the Houston Astros on the run line, this was a tough one, as they led by a count of 5-1 to one at one point. They win the game by a count of 8-7 to seven in 14 innings. This game was back and forth, as the Houston Astros got a good start out of Justin Verlander, that was, until the seventh inning. Six and a third innings, he gives up three runs, all of which were earned, and then from there, the Houston Astros, who had the second-best bullpen in the big leagues going into Thursday, wind up having a bunch of guys giving up a run. Will Harris gave one up. Ryan Presley gave one up. You had Hector Rondon give up a run. And then to top it all off, the closer Roberto Azuna did as well. So obviously some rough signs out there for that Astros bullpen. And for the Seattle Mariners, they should just bury the idea of the opener. The opener in this game was... Their man, Austin Adams, and he gave up three runs, all of which were earned while recording two outs. And then from there, Tommy Malone, the guy that was supposed to start, goes five and a third innings and gives up one run. But we do know that the bullpen of the Seattle Mariners is shaky. In eight innings, they wind up giving up four runs, which actually for them is not too bad of a showing, but they are going to be gassed tomorrow. And they did have their offense going in this one as Omar Navarez was able to go deep for his ninth home run of the year as they were able to pound out 11 hits. 
and generate nine walks as well. So they certainly had pace runners all throughout in this one. The Minnesota Twins just continue their hot play as they wind up taking down the Cleveland Indians by a count of five to four. In this one, the Minnesota Twins get another great start from Jose Barrios. Six innings pitch, he gives up two runs, just one of which was earned, including a home run. Now, it was noted that late in this game, the Cleveland Indians were able to get a home run to be able to push the total over. Taylor Rogers wound up giving up that home run as supplying the power for the Cleveland Indians in that ninth inning was Orlando Mercado, his second home run of the year, and then Roberto Perez earlier in the game went deep off of Barrios for his seventh home run of the year, but the Twins were really able to get to Trevor Bauer. Trevor Bauer winds up going eight innings in this game, but he gives up five runs, all of which were earned, including three home runs. That really made no sense to me, considering the Cleveland Indians now have the top bullpen in regards to ERA out there in the big leagues. As for the Minnesota Twins, all three home runs were the product of Max Kepler. His 13th, 14th, and 15th of the year. This is a guy that is just on fire, along with the Minnesota Twins in general, who have just been cashing tickets for you left and right. The New York Yankees continue to cash tickets for you left and right as well. As they take down the Toronto Blue Jays by a count of 6-2, you can't be betting on Edwin Jackson at this point. Edwin Jackson for the Toronto Blue Jays goes three and a third innings. He gives up all six of the runs, now only two of which were earned, but in that time he also gave up two home runs. He now is an ERA of an 1190 is going deep for the New York Yankees. Aaron Hicks, his third home run of the year, and Gio Urshela, his fourth. And J.A. Happ seems to have turned over a new leaf. In seven innings pitch against his old team, he gives up just one run. That one run was a home run. It's going deep for the Toronto Blue Jays. Was Eric Sogard, his fifth home run of the year, but a very good showing there. And then Chad Green and Roald as Chapman were able to close out the game. And for the Toronto Blue Jays, they did wind up getting some good bullpen pitching in this one. They wound up having a combination of three guys go a total of five and two-thirds innings that did not give up a single run. So, got to tip your head to that Toronto Blue Jays bullpen there. And you've got to tip your head to the Texas Rangers as they continue to win at home. They now have a home record of 22-10 and 10 as they take down the Baltimore Orioles by a count of 4-3. to three. They were able to do this without Joey Gallo. As for the Texas Rangers, supplying the power on this day was Hunter Pence's 12th home run of the year. That was off of David S., a guy that you've got to be continuing to fade for the Baltimore Orioles. This was actually one of his better starts. In six innings, he winds up giving up four runs, three of which were earned. Just one home run. He had been entering giving up one home run every three innings, so that actually dropped that percentage, but now he is 1-8 and eight with a 7.08 ERA. And then Miguel Castro gave the Baltimore Orioles two good innings out there at the bullpen as Trey Boomman Mancini goes deep for his 13th home run of the year, but all in all, a solid start from Ariel Gerardo of the Texas Rangers. It's exciting pitch. He go, gives up three runs, all of which were earned, but the Texas Rangers bullpen actually appears to be getting better. They had Sean Kelly being able to close out the game. Jesse Chavez was able to give a bridge ending along with Chris Martin as well. All these guys wound up leaving with an ERA of a 3-7 or lower, so obviously things look to be going in the right direction for the Texas Rangers bullpen, and things seem to be going right for the San Diego Padres, who play yet another over. This is a team that plays in such a pitcher-friendly ballpark, but they just continue to pound out the runs. They got back Fernando Tatis Jr. in this game, and they were able to make a comeback in a 5-4 win. Nationals get up 4-0 on the first inning, and then from there, just do not score as Joey Lucchese winds up giving up all four of those runs in the first inning, including a home run, and supplying the power for the Washington Nationals was Brian Dozier, his ninth home run of the year. But then from there, I believe the Washington Nationals got one hit as the San Diego Padres were able to do their job late, especially with Craig Stammen and Kirby Yates, the eighth and ninth inning guys. Kirby Yates now is 23rd stave. He has a 0.96 ERA. Got to be considered the best closer out there in the big leagues. And Hunter Renfro has to be considered one of the better power bats out there in the big leagues. He hits his 18th home run of the year off of Patrick Corbin, 
who just wound up getting blown up in this start. Five innings pitch, he gives up five runs, only three of which were earned. He was hurt by his fielding a little bit as there were a pair of errors, but still just not vintage Patrick Corbin. He's, he and has a 3.59 ERA. Good news for the Washington Nationals is that their bullpen goes three innings and does not give up a single run. So you have that to hang your head on. And then we've got one more game. This game is just wrapping up right now. The Oakland A's currently up on the LA Angels by kind of 7-3. to three. Final score on this one might change a little bit, but all in all, the Oakland A's, another very good game in this one as they seem to be really getting their bats online. In this one, they wound up having Steven Piscotti go yard. That was his eighth home run of the year. That was off of Jaime Barilla as the LA Angels did not get a good start from Tyler Skaggs. I believe he's a little bit of an overrated pitcher as in four innings, he gives up six runs, five of which were earned. He now has a 497 ERA in the Barilla in five innings of relief, winds up giving up just one run. So he certainly did his part, and Mike Trout did his part as well. He had his 16th home run of the year off the Mike Fires, who wound up going six innings in this one. He gives up three runs, all of which were earned. As of right now, the A's bullpen has won two innings and just given up one hit, and that seems to be a group that is getting online as well. So what did we learn from this Thursday out there in the big leagues? The Giants seem to be a little bit more of an over team, but a lot of it is due to their pitching. The Pittsburgh Pirates might have Chris Archer back and going, and their offense continues to be firing on all cylinders. The Tampa Bay Rays continue to win by two-plus runs. The Boston Red Sox are currently on a good streak. The Cincinnati Reds might be having their bats coming back to earth. The Milwaukee Brewers are really hitting the ball hard. The Colorado Rockies are streaking right now, and perhaps they found a good new starting pitcher. We will have to see there. The Houston Astros continue to put up runs despite the fact that they've got a hobble lineup. The Minnesota Twins just continue to find ways to win along with the New York Yankees. The Texas Rangers seem to be really improving with their pitching. And the San Diego Padres all of a sudden becoming an over team. So that was Thursday. Now let's turn the page forward to Friday. Let's find a little bit more about live wagering as well and how Scott Hastings and Odd is doing it. That is up next right here on MLB Overtime Betting. Greg is going to the bullpen as he makes a call to the Azunia Hotline. And we're back here on MLB Overtime Betting. Greg Peterson broadcasting from the Azunia Tequila Studios out here in wonderful Las Vegas. You may recall Ian McMillan of Oddshark was on this podcast a few days ago and he mentioned something about live wagering and the man that came up with that is actually now joining me as well. He does terrific work out there for Oddshark. He is right now doing a whole ton with baseball. He also does terrific work with college basketball, UFC slash boxing. When it comes to college football, he's dialed in as well. This guy does a little bit of everything. It is Scott Hastings. You can follow him on Twitter at Scotty H underscore OS. And Scott, how are you doing today? You forgot to mention that I'm becoming a podcast star here. Yes, he is. Yes. A podcast star. I'm right there with you. And... The star of the podcast a few days ago was Ian McMillan that revealed that you are a man that's right now coming up with doing some live wagering in baseball and having some success with it. Let the people know what you've all been doing in regards to live wagering in baseball and how it's been working for you. Yeah, so Greg, like I'm a very numbers-oriented guy, and sometimes there's the visual things. You know, you can look at a pitcher and how they're performing, but there's certain things that just, I don't even know how to explain it, but more so baseball gods. And we have seen this in, in various different sports. You know, in hockey, if a puck hits the netting around the glass and the ref doesn't see it, you know that a goal is coming. It's just automatic. 
or a big time offside that gets missed, you know, a goal is coming. So I was talking with one of our coworkers about baseball gods specifically and situations in which, you know, maybe they have the bases loaded with less than two out and you don't score that runner. And it just came up in conversation that it's like, oh, you know, we know that the other team is going to win now. And that got me to thinking like, yeah, we've seen this for our entire lives of watching baseball that when you strand a runner on third with less than two outs, another team is going to win. We saw it time and time again. So I dove into the numbers and yeah, there's definitely a correlation there. And it's so interesting because I've noticed it so much myself because whenever I've got a bet and my team that I'm betting on strands bases loaded, I always think, yes, now we're going to get some runs. And whenever the team I bet on has the bases loaded and they don't score, I always think my bet is doomed. I'm pretty sure that you're one of those people that feels the exact same way too because it is something I feel like not just we have noticed, but so many other people have that the team that leaves the bases loaded just seems to not win. Yeah, and and, and we've seen this, uh, and I've been tracking this now, like I say, about almost two weeks now. And sometimes this team could be winning. Let's say they're up. 4-1 or something like that. They leave the bases loaded. I'm throwing a wager on that uh, opposing team for them to come back. And conversely, I've also noticed that when a team does have runners in scoring position less than two outs, typically with no outs, if they can get a runner in scoring position with no outs and they score that run, they typically go on to win that game and cover the run line, the minus one and a half run line. So it's very interesting. Still in the early stages. I'm giving out all my secrets here. The bookies are going to come <laughs> after me. But yeah, I've had pretty good success on Thursday, you know, in the afternoon games. I had a record of six and three with some plus money dogs there, underdogs. It's a good time. That's absolutely spectacular. Scott Hastings joining me right here on the podcast. And then taking a look at some games that have yet to be in progress since these games are going to be occurring Friday afternoon slash evening and everything like that. I do think that there are a couple intriguing ones, including the one that's going down in Texas. The Rangers are going to be playing host the Oakland A's. I noticed that the Texas Rangers have the most interesting home and road splits out there in the big leagues. Going into Thursday, this is a team that was 21-10 and 10 at home. And in regards to their road record, bottom five in the majors, they've been doing quite well ever since Joey Gallo has been out of the lineup, actually, which I find very intriguing. And Lance Lynn himself has been a guy that in 74 innings has only given up six home runs. What do you make out of this game? Because I do think that this could be a good spot here for Texas. What I find is really interesting about that home and away splits is we know that Globe Life Park is a hitter's ballpark. People get a ton of home runs. Joey Gallo, as you mentioned, you know, he, he hit more home runs than he does singles. It's very impressive, but he is out of the lineup. But what I find really interesting is over the last two weeks that Texas ranks among the bottom in home runs. So uh, it's just interesting how that works out. Now, as you mentioned, they're returning home. So you got to hope that that offense is going to come alive a little bit. Um, you know, it's, uh, you got that lefty matchup there as well with Brad Anderson on the hill for Oakland. Texas has done just okay against lefties over the last recent bit, middle of the pack average wise, but they're scoring a ton of runs, which is sort of par for the course for Texas. Don't get along base a lot, but they're going to hit you with the, the long balls. Or When they get an inning, they put up a pile of runs. And Lance Lynn, yeah, you know, he's got a winning record this year, but he's not one that I always trust out there. So I think 
I'd be leaning towards the over between these two AL West teams. Yeah, it's really interesting because right now we're seeing a total of 10.5 out there. The over is at minus 115. And this is Texas being a little bit of a favorite. So obviously, pretty tight line here. So that's going to be one to really be of note. A pitcher that has really been impressing me is for the Washington Nationals as well. Eric Fetty is going to be going up against Nick Maragavicious for the San Diego Padres. This is a game of which we're noticing the Padres a very slight favorite. I'm right now seeing them minus 110 on the board. Eric Fetty right around even with a total of 8.5. This might actually be a spot where I might want to take a look at the Washington Nationals. We know that the Washington Nationals will open absolutely atrocious. But Eric Fetty has actually been quite good for the team. And Nick Merrick Vicious, a guy that I'm just not trusting in right now. He's had some very rough starts recently. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I think, for me, the best play there could be the first five. And although I'm not usually a typical first five better, I typically like the full game because, hey, I'm a traditionalist, I guess. And Fetty, the max he goes is five innings. So that part concerns me that he hasn't had an outing in which he throws north of 90 pitches. He can shut them down for those early four, five, six innings, whatever it may be. Then you get that bullpen, which has been dead last over the last 30 days, like 6.91 ERA. So if I can take the bullpens out of it in this situation, it may be the play to make. And as you mentioned, Marja Vicious, yep, pretty outstanding numbers there. Giving up, doing quick math here, 18 earned runs over his last four starts. Yeah, I think he's given up 11 home runs in 48 innings as well. That's not a redeeming quality right there. You don't want to be giving up more than two home runs for nine innings, especially when you pitch out at Petco Park, one of the most pitcher-friendly ballparks out there in the big leagues, and you're giving up that many home runs. Just doesn't lend itself well, as we do have Scott Hastings of Odd Shark joining me right here on the podcast. And then... I know we have been talking about this all year long. On Friday, it is Homer Bailey Day. Homer Bailey and the Kansas City Royals are at home against Ivan Nova and the Chicago White Sox. White Sox surprisingly an underdog here. That plus 105. Draw in this game, I'm seeing is 10 shaded a little bit to the over. Is there any reason why we shouldn't be taking the Chicago White Sox here? I know Homer Bailey's been a little bit better, but if I remember correctly, the teams that he started for are 5-27 and 27 in their last 32 games. Yeah, and on the flip side of things, the White Sox, in May, they were very good behind Ivanova. They posted a record of 5-1, and one, although his numbers were not exactly the reason for their success, but they found a way to get it done. When Homer Bailey pitched against the White Sox just two weeks ago and did fairly well, but he was pulled out of the game fairly early for him. You know, one earned run over four and a third innings. That's a non-typical Homer Bailey day. But he followed that up with a nice Texas showing in which he allowed four runs over three and two thirds. So Homer Bailey's becoming a frustrating guy to bet on. Last year, he was a breeze. He just knew he was on the hill and, and he just faded him. This year, he's had a couple glimpses where, you know, I look at against Philadelphia. I remember going against him. Well, that was one earned run over five innings. Like, well, I didn't sign up for this. Cleveland, he throws seven shutout. What? No, 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 no. I-, I want the old Homer Bailey, but Kansas City has dropped all four of his last starts. As I mentioned, White Sox have been good behind Ivanova through May. Did get roughed up in his last start, but, ah, geez. I, I think you got to go with the underdog money, like you say, with the White Sox. I do agree with you right there. And a team that has not lost a single time When he started so far this year, it is Clayton Kershaw. He's going for the LA Dodgers, and they're going to be taking on 
the San Francisco Giants on Friday. The Dodgers are a minus 230 favorite. I do like me some Clayton Kershaw and Drew Pomerantz, who's going to be going for the San Francisco Giants. Well, he's been absolutely awful, to say the least, but I think we can both agree that laying 230 in baseball is not going to be profitable short-term, it's not going to be profitable long-term, and it's not going to be profitable mid-term. How do you take a look at this game? Because right now, the way that I'm looking at this is L.A. Dodgers run line and probably playing the over because we have noticed that Clayton Kershaw has been giving up a little bit of hard contact. And Drew Pomerantz, well, he's got an ERA about six right now. Yeah, no, you know, Kershaw has been an interesting thing. I put a futures bet at the start of the season on his teammate Walker Bueller to win the Cy Young. But Clayton Kershaw has been absolutely terrific, but he has been hit. There's no denying it. He has given up two to four runs a game. He hasn't thrown a scoreless outing yet. That being said, all but one of his uh, starts have been quality starts. So, you know, that's also very impressive. But his totals have been set very low, as Clayton Kershaw's always are, around seven. And he gives up two, three, four runs. And that allows the over to come through because, you know, the Dodgers are a terrific offensive team. You know, I totally agree with that overplay there. And Dodgers run line, you sort of have to do it because, like you say, minus 230, is it's just not worth it. And Drew Pomerantz, through four starts in May, had a whopping ERA of 19.16. Yes. 19, I, what was it, 19 point what? 16. 19.16. Wow. Yes. 22 earned runs over 10 and one-third innings. Now, he did only throw one start at home over the month, and he faced the Arizona Diamondbacks, and he allowed five earned runs on just 2.2 innings. So things don't get better with home cooking. That is really, really interesting, as we do have Scott Asics joining me right here on MLB Overtime Betting. And 1916, if you take a look at that, the German troops conquer Fort Vox <laughs> out there in Verdun, and I believe that World War One was going on with President Woodrow Wilson going down <laughs> in the White House. So if your ERA is a year in which Woodrow Wilson was in office, that's not necessarily a redeeming quality right there, but a couple pitchers that do have some redeeming qualities actually out there in Miami as the Marlins have won 13 out of their last 19 games, and they're going to be playing host the Atlanta Braves, and you've got Mike Soroka on the mound. Mike Soroka, 6-1 record, 141 ERA. Needless to say, he's not a time in which you could have identified a U.S. president for that year with regards to his ERA. And Jose Urania has actually been pretty decent recently. He's got a 4-6 and six record, but he's knocked off the Washington Nationals twice. I believe he's cashed three tickets as a $2 underdog or greater right now. We're noticing that the Miami Marlins are about a plus 155 or so underdog in this spot. What do you make out of this game? Because I actually do like the way that the Marlins have been playing recently, and I actually love the way that Mike Soroka is pitching in general. Yeah, well, you went right for Jose Urena off the top, and I love that because he was one of my favorite plays last year with a terrible Marlins team. He was pretty reliable, both home and away. He had a respectable ERA and whatnot. was atrocious to start the year, and uh, I got bid on a couple of his starts hoping that he would have the same carry through that he did last year. You know, he gave up 14 earned runs in his first three starts. But since then, he's only allowed about 20 combined. So he's definitely come a lot more down to earth. And that definitely makes them a very intriguing play. I am hesitant because I don't trust their offense. And he's thrown five straight quality starts, but it could be all for naught in a 
one nothing losing effort like we saw on May 15th against Tampa Bay. The uh, Roy Halladay situation, if you will, throw a complete game, allow two runs, and end up losing 2-1. So it's very frustrating. But if you've got a guy out there that's hurling in that situation and you get the value that you are of a plus-150 dog, you got to sort of make the wager and hope that it comes through. You know, the under might be a smart play, too, because Mike Soroka, as you mentioned as well, has been an absolute stud. He's coming off his worst start of the year by allowing three earned runs. That's his worst start. Like, that's absolutely incredible. So, you know, as you mentioned, a 141 ERA, no president of note at that point. So I'd be leaning towards the under and a little sprinkle on Miami just because of the value. Absolutely. And Scott, is there anything that's really standing out to you on the Friday card as well? Because I think we've went through a lot of the more notable matchups. And I do think that there are some interesting ones. Jacob deGrom is going for the New York Yankees. The Baltimore Orioles, I'm currently seeing as a plus 280 underdog with Gabriel Yona. And I do think that there are some interesting matchups. Is there anything in particular that's really standing out to you? The only one that you had mentioned there was the Mets game. Is Senzatella much better on the road than he is at home, because at home it's a bit of a dumpster fire, not going to lie. But on the road, he's been pretty solid. He was roughed up in his last road outing, but for the most part, pretty decent there. DeGrom is still so shaky, and the Mets keep losing when he's on the hill. So that's a very interesting play, too, especially if you can get Colorado as an underdog. The way their bats can come alive at any, any moment, they're definitely an intriguing team to me. I think so as well. And Scott, let me close it up with this. I know that you're doing tremendous work out there with Odd Shark. I know that you're experimenting with many different things, as we heard at the front of the podcast. Let the good people know at home where they can find you on social media and elsewhere. Well, before I get to that, I did see on social media that you were challenging people to beer drinking competitions. And uh, I will call you out next time I'm in Vegas. Uh, You got a date with the champion here. All right. Last time I drank out of an actual glass, I was able to finish it in six seconds. So that was pretty solid. All right. All right. Well, we'll put you to it. But for otherwise, you can find most of my stuff on oddshark.com. And I'm also pretty active on the, the Twitter machine as well. And that's at Scotty H underscore OS. Scott Hastings, a man that does a little bit of everything with regards to handicapping, looks at all the numbers, terrific guy, and now, as we know, a champion beer drinker. So a big (laughs) thanks to Scott Hastings for joining me right here on MLB Overtime Betting. And coming up next, I do give you a side and total on every game on the Las Vegas betting board and a little something I like to call Touch Em All. Hey, I'm Steve Heitner, the guy who uttered the famous phrase, that's gold. And that's the inspiration of my new podcast, That's Gold with Steve Heitner. We talk sports, sports betting, movies, comedy, food, drink, Vegas, music, movies, and more. Five days a week. Did I say movies twice? Look, guys love it, whether they're hip or worried about breaking a hip. Find us on Apple and Google Podcasts, as well as Spotify and Stitcher. That's gold with me, Steve Heitner. Welcome back to MLB Overtime. Greg is throwing a gem, so yeah, he better not blow it. And a big thanks to Scott Hastings of Odd Shark for joining me in the last segment as we're back here on MLB Overtime Betting. I recorded this literally about seven hours ago, but for some reason the file's lost, so my apologies about this probably getting up a little bit late, but 
Here we go with a side and total on every game on the Las Vegas betting board in a little something I like to call touch them all. Note that any changes that are made to these plays are going to be noted up on my Twitter feed at unit underscore d1 because for some reason this got all wiped away and I already did it. I'm probably going to do this a little bit fast because I'm a little bit irritated, but as always, going to be going in Las Vegas rotation order. And as always, we're going to be updating you as to plays that are locked in and things that are pending. And we start with 951, 952 on the bank rotation. The St. Louis Cardinals are on the road facing off against the Chicago Cubs. Cole Hamels goes for the Cubs. Miles Mikolas for the St. Louis Cardinals. Total on this game is off the board since it is a game at Wrigley Field. But if you're looking at the Cardinals, you're going to get a plus price here. Anywhere between plus 112 and plus 123. Want to lay it here with the Cubs. You're going to be laying anywhere between minus 125 and minus 133. This is a spot where I do need to look at the Chicago Cubs. You've got so many guys that are hitting right around 300 and hitting for a double-digit amount of home runs. And I like what I'm seeing out of... Cole Hamels so far this year. Now, we do know that their bullpen has been struggling. You've got Brad Brock, who's got his ERA hovering right around a five. He has not been good for this team, but Brandon Kitzler seems to be doing the job. Carl Edwards Jr. has been hit or miss, and Kyle Ryan should not be up at the big leagues at this point. But you do have Anthony Rizzo, who's got 16 home runs, 44 RBI. Javi Baez is sitting above 300. He's also been hitting for a double-digit amount of home runs. And you've got so many guys that are doing their job in regards to the bat, though I will say that Jason Hayward has really seen a dip in his average to about a 245. Daniel Lascalso hitting below the Mendoza line. Albert O'Mora Jr. hitting a 251 is nice, and David Bodie had 7 RBI a couple days ago. And then you take a look at the St. Louis Cardinals side of things. They don't have a lot of guys that are hitting for a good average right now. You've got Paul DeYoung, who has seen his average dip to a 275. He for the most part of the year, has been hitting above 300. You've also noticed that Jose Martinez has been in and out of the lineup. He's now hitting a 292. You've got Matt Carpenter who's hitting a 225. And then you've got Paul Goldschmidt who's been doing a great job for this team. He has an average of a 271. He's now providing 12 home runs. He seems to be getting back to his Paul Goldschmidt self, but Matt Wieters filling in for Yadier Molina, hitting a 277. Colt Wong, a 237. Harrison Bader, a 238. These guys have not been great. The Cardinals bullpen seems to be coming alive a little bit. I do like what I'm seeing out of Jordan Hicks, though he has blown a couple saves. Andrew Miller has been up and down this year. He's been doing a good job. And then you've got Marcelo Ozuna in the middle of the lineup. 16 home runs, 51 RBI, 255 average. But I do think that this is a spot where Cole Amos is going to be able to deliver a better spa, a better start than Miles Mikolas. Mikolas, 4-4-1 ERA, 1-1-7 whip, 4-5 record. He's given up 12 home runs in 69 and a third innings. Hamill's giving up much less hard contact. 69 and two-thirds innings, he's given up just seven home runs. The 28 walks are a little bit high end. I know that the wind has been blowing in the past couple days for the Cubs. If the wind is blowing out, that's really going to play into their advantage. But either way, going to be on the Cubs in this spot for a total wait and see in the morning. That'll be up on my Twitter feed at GNRS. 951. 953-954 on the bank rotation. You've got the Philadelphia Phillies playing host to the Cincinnati Reds. Tyler Molly goes for the Reds. Zach Eflin goes for the Philadelphia Phillies. This game is off the board, but I can tell you right now I'm going to be leaning towards the Philadelphia Phillies. We recall earlier this year that Zach Eflin had a stretch of two starts where he had a complete game in two out of his last three starts. That was very good. He seems to have fallen back to earth, but that main bugaboo was the Milwaukee Brewers. He gave up right around five runs per start in those two starts. He did not look very good. Meanwhile, Tyler Molly, he's actually been a decent pitcher for the Reds, but his record would not indicate it. Two and five record, four two six ERA, one two six WHIP. He's given up eleven home runs at sixty one in the third innings, which is a little bit high. But his team is three and sixteen in his last nineteen starts. Meanwhile, for Eflin, he's given up ten home runs at sixty five and two thirds innings. He's not necessarily much of a swing and miss guy with fifty one punchouts t- compared to Molly's sixty seven. But with the Cincinnati Reds, you do have a lot of guys that are hitting for power but not contact. 
Derek Diedrich, 263, average 17 home runs, 37 RBI. Jose Iglesias is sitting at 294. Eugenia Suarez sitting at 277 with 14 home runs is nice. And Joey Votto seems to be bolstering his average. He's now hitting just below a 250. But then you've got a couple guys like Jose Peraza and Tucker Barnard that are hitting below the Mendoza line. Yasiel Puig, despite the fact that he's got a double-digit amount of home runs, hitting 210. Jesse Winker has 11 home runs. He's hitting right around 240 himself. And then you take a look at the other side for the Philadelphia Phillies. They're going to be without Andrew McCutcheon the rest of the year, but they are getting production out of Jay Bruce. He had three home runs in that series against the San Diego Padres. You've also got Scott Kingery, who's hitting above 300. Gene Segura sitting at 292. Bryce Harper, I know that he leads the league at strikeouts, but he's got a 250 average. He's given the team 11 home runs, 44 RBI. Cesar Hernandez, 281 average. JT Riomuto hitting just below 270, along with Reese Hoskins, but Reese Hoskins has been supplying the power. He's got 42 RBI to go with 13 home runs. And then you've got to like what you're seeing out of the bullpen of the bull of the Philadelphia Phillies as well, with guys like Jose Alvarez, Hector Neris and company. So for that reason, leaning towards the Phillies on the total, would need to see where that opens up. So check back in the morning on my Twitter feed at GNNR Square D1 once the play is up there. 9.55, 9.56 on the bang rotation. The Miami Marlins play OC Atlanta Braves. Mike Soroka goes for the Atlanta Braves. Jose Yarena goes for the Miami Marlins. So on this game is 8. The under is minus 115. The over is minus 105. If you're looking at the Marlins, going to be getting a plus price here. Anywhere between plus 165 and plus... And plus 175. Meanwhile, if you want to label here with the Braves, that is anywhere between minus 180 and minus 190. We talked about in the last segment with Scott Hastings of Odd Shark. This is a spot where I really do look at the Miami Marlins, even though Mike Soroka has been terrific. He's only giving up two runs or more in just one start so far this year, and that was his most recent start. 1-4-1 ERA for Mike Soroka, 5-1 record. But Jose Urania has been doing a very good job in his own right so far this year. Just a 4-6 and six record, but after that really rough start, we heard the numbers before. He's been doing a terrific job. Now he's a 4-1-4 ERA. Not much of a swing and miss guy. 71 and two-thirds innings, just 49 strikeouts. But with the Miami Marlins, this is a team that's hot as well. They've won 13 out of their last 18 games. Jorge Alfaro right now bolstering the offense. Nine home runs, 275 average, 25 RBI. Miguel Rojas, 266 average. Brett Anderson, 27 RBI to go with his seven home runs. Harold Ramirez is sitting above 300. He's been a good spark plug for the team along with Garrett Cooper. Cooper's been p- providing some home runs. He's out hitting 278. You still have Austin Dean, who's hitting below the Mendoza line, and Curtis Granderson right at the Mendoza line, but... Sterling Castro, if he's able to get anything going because he's hitting 230, would be big. And JT Brito now is in the lineup as well. You take a look at the Atlanta Braves. They're getting a lot out of Freddie Freeman. 16 home runs, 307 average, 38 RBI. Dansby Swanson, he's got 13 home runs, 43 RBI himself, 265 average. Ronald Acuna Jr. hitting right around 280 to go with his 11-12 home runs has been big. Ozzy Albies is still doing a good job for his team, though he's only hitting right around 260. He's in a little bit of a funk. And then you've also got Austin Riley, who's been doing terrific for the team. In three weeks up at the big leagues, hitting 329. He's already supplied nine home runs for the team. And with the Atlanta Braves, I like the way that their bullpen is pitching. I know that they gave up a couple runs against the Pittsburgh Pirates, but Luke Jackson seems to be doing a very good job for this team. Jesse Tomlin has provided them a little bit of something. And then on the flip side for the Marlins, you do have a little bit of a lesser bullpen, but it seems like it's really improving as well. Sergio Romo has not been gas canning games the way that he did at the beginning of the year. So for that reason, currently looking at this total under and the Miami Marlins already locked in the under. Just trying to see what kind of value I'm able to get on the Miami Marlins. 9.57, 9.58 on the bag rotation. The Colorado Rockies hit the road to face off against the New York Mets. Jacob deGrom goes for the Mets. Antonio Sanzatello goes for the Colorado Rockies. So on this game, it's 7.5. The under is anywhere between minus 115 and minus 110. The over is anywhere between even juice and minus 110 as I'm also seeing a minus 120 out there for the under. If you're taking a look at the Colorado Rockies, plus price here anywhere between plus 175 
105 and plus 190. Meanwhile, if you want to lay it here with the New York Mets, that's anywhere between minus 190 and minus 220. Jacob DeGrom is just a guy that I cannot trust at this point. Now, with Antonio Sensatella, he has been up and down all year long. This is a guy that he'll deliver a great start where he goes six innings and gives up one run like he did against the Toronto Blue Jays on Saturday, and then he gives up eight runs against the Pittsburgh Pirates like he did in his last road start. 4-4 record, 5-3-3 ERA in 54 innings, has given up nine home runs and 23 walks. DeGrom, meanwhile, in 69 and two-thirds innings, nine diggers of his own, 19 walks surrendered. He's still got 84 punch-outs, but we also know this about the New York Mets. Their bullpen is absolutely awful. Guys like Robbie Gazelman, Taylor Bashler, Jersich Familia, you just can't trust in them. Corey Ellswald. Meanwhile, with the Colorado Rockies, you do have some guys you're able to trust in a little bit more. Cesar Estevez has not necessarily been too bad. I know that they're dealing with a little bit of an injury to Wade Davis, but you still do have guys like Brian Shaw and company that are doing a good job for this team. And with the Colorado Rockies, despite the fact that Charlie Blackman's been out, they've got a little bit of everything, and it's all led by Nolan Arenado. This is a man possessed right now. He is hitting... 337, 16 home runs, 54 RBI, does a little bit of everything. Remiel Tapia is seeing his average more around a 265 to a 270 right now, but David Dahl has been terrific at getting on base, 337 average. And then Trevor Story, 292 average. He is supplying the power to go along with 10 base. 10 stolen bases, 15 home runs for him. Chris Iannetta is hitting above 250 right now. Mark Reynolds still hitting below the Mendoza line, but we've seen Ian Desmond and... Daniel Murphy have a come up with their average, hitting 240 and 250 respectively. Brendan Robert Rogers is hitting a 270 himself. And then you take a look at the flip side for the New York Mets. You've got Jeff McNeil back, who's doing a great job, 345 average. And then Pete Alonso doing a little bit of everything. 265 average, you go 20 home runs. They've been without Robinson Cano seemingly the entire year. He's a, just an on and off player, but. You're finding something with Dominic Smith, who's hitting a 373. Michael Conforto, 253 average, double-digit amount of home runs. Adini Echeverria, ever since coming into the lineup, is hitting 258. And then the Todd father, Todd Frazier, five home runs ago at the 250 average. He's doing a better job in Amid Rosario, providing a little bit of power as well. But with that said, just a lot of value here with the Colorado Rockies. They've got such good bats. And with the Mets, you just can't trust in this bullpen. And Jacob deGrom doesn't seem like he was what he does not seem like he is what he was last year. So for that reason, taking the plus price here with the Rockies and taking this total over. Have already locked in the over of 7.5 of even. Justin Wade Seymour on the Rockies. 959-960 on the bang rotation. The Pittsburgh Pirates are on the road facing off against the Milwaukee Brewers. Brian Woodruff goes for the Brewers. Rookie Davis for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Your total on this game anywhere between 9 and 9.5. Nine and on the 9.5, the under is minus 120. The over is even. On the 9, the over is minus 125. The under is plus 105. If you're looking at the Brewers, going to be laying a big price here. Anywhere between Minus 230 and minus 250. Meanwhile, plus price here with the Pittsburgh Pirates. Anywhere between plus 215 and plus 195. Rookie Davis has just been absolutely awful. In seven, two, seven and two-thirds innings so far this year, he's given up two home runs. And for his career, he's made six career starts. He's giving up right around 2.5 home runs per nine innings. This is a gentleman with a lifetime ERA of eight at the big leagues. And the Pittsburgh Pirates have been an over team. One of the best in the big leagues in regards to the over, hitting at nearly a 60% clip. The Brewers, meanwhile... One of the better under teams out there in the big leagues, but I think that that's going to change a little bit. You've got Mike Moustakas hitting a 265 with 18 home runs. Christian Yelich, 23 home runs, 328 average, 51 RBI. He is doing everything for this team. Now, you still have Travis Shaw and... Jesus Aguiar, who are both hitting right around the Mendoza line for this team, but you've also got guys like Ryan Braun, who are hitting in the 270s whenever they need Ben Gamble. He's doing a good job, 262 average. Yasmani Grandal, 277 average, and he too has been providing a lot of pop as he's got 13 home runs so far this year. And then you got Lorenzo Cain at the top lineup hitting a 260. This is a team that all in all is very well balanced. They're not going to have Josh Hader in this game because he had to provide four outs yesterday, but all in all, you do still have guys like Jeremy Jeffries, Matt Albers, and... 
Adrian Hauser out there in the bullpen. And for the Pittsburgh Pirates, this is a squad that is really getting a lot of production out of Josh Bell. He's been terrific. 338 average, 18 home runs, 56 RBI. And then you've got a bunch of guys that are hitting 330 or greater. Melky Cabrera is one of them. He got the past couple days off, but all in all, he's been terrific for the team. Kevin Newman has seen a dip in his average to 294, but he's still doing a good job of being on base. Brian Reynolds is hitting a 346. Colin Moran is hitting 280. He's provided eight home runs. Gregory Polanco has been in and out of the lineup with injuries, but he seems to be improving. Now you have Cole Tucker and just a catcher spot in general that's really letting this team down. They're both hitting 220 or lower, but Sterling Marte has upped his average to a 280. So I certainly do think that runs are going to be a plenty in this game, but I just think the Milwaukee Brewers with Brandon Woodruff on the mound have a massive advantage. Woodruff gave up quite a few runs to the Pittsburgh Pirates in his last start, but 7-1 record, 382 ARA. He's given up just 7 home runs at 68 and a third innings to go with 80 strikeouts, 19 walks. This is a guy that's been dominant, one of the top money makers out there in baseball if you've been betting him every start according to just about every metric that you look at. So, taking the Brewers on the run line, currently seeing a run line price of a minus 120, likely going to be locking that in. And I'm going to be taking the over as well. The only question is whether I'm able to get an unjuiced nine or if I have to settle for one of the nine and a halfs. 962-961 on the betting rotation. I went a little bit reverse there, but it is Washington Nationals on the road facing off against the San Diego Padres. Nick Maragavicious goes for the Padres. Eric Fetty for the Washington Nationals. Total in this game is 8.5. The over is between minus 120 and minus 125. The under is between even and minus 105. If you're taking a look at the San Diego Padres, laying a very small number here. Anywhere between minus 107 and minus 111. The plus price here that you're getting with the Washington Nationals anywhere between minus 105 and plus 101. This is a spot where I actually do look at Eric Fetty. He has been very good in his last couple starts, and we mentioned it with Scott Hastings out there with Odd Shark, Nick Maravicious, just not getting the job done, 2 and 6 record, 540 ERA. He's given up 11 home runs, 48 and a third innings. And with the San Diego Padres, Craig Saban and Kirby Yates, very good 8th and ninth inning guys, but guys like Matt Whistler, Brad Weak and company not getting the job done. Meanwhile, with the Washington Nationals, we all know how bad that bullpen's been, but it actually has been showing some signs of improvement, as weird as it is to say the past week or two. And Eric Fetty, 255 ERA, has allowed just two home runs in 24 and two-thirds innings. And the Washington Nationals do seem to have their bats really going. Anthony Rendon has come off the injured list with a vengeance, 11 home runs, over a 320 average. Juan Soto is hitting right in the realm of 300 himself. He has been doing a terrific job of being able to provide a little bit of everything for this team. His RBI count is at a 38. He's got 10 home runs. Brian Dozier is hitting 229. He seems to have a little bit of a come up. Jan Gomes hitting just a 220 along with Michael A. Taylor's 217. It's an issue along with Gerardo Parro's 231. But then you've got Trey Turner who led the league in stolen bases last year. Victor Robles is hitting 240. He's got a double-digit amount of stolen bases as well. And Howie Kendrick, I feel like, really goes under the radar for the same 320 average, 10 home runs. For that reason, I am all about the Washington Nationals in this spot. And I'm going to be taking this total under. I'm going to try to see what kind of juice I'm able to get on the 8.5 because I want to see if this is going to be 8.5 or 9. If I could get a little bit of a plus price, would love to be able to lock that in. 963-964 on the bank rotation. Clayton Kershaw for the LA Dodgers is going to be hitting the road going up against the San Francisco Giants who have Drew Pomerantz on the mound. Total in this game is 7.5. The over has juice of anywhere between even and minus 110. The under is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. This is a spot where I do have to certainly look at the over here. I do like the way that Clayton Kershaw has pitched so far this year. The LA Dodgers have not lost a single start that he has started in, but with that said, Clayton Kershaw, we noted it with our man Scott Hastings out there with Odd Shark, has been hit around a little bit, but that's not as bad as Drew Pomerantz, who right now is an 808 ERA. His ERA in the month of May was above a 19. 
He is one and six with a 187 whip. I always say that if your whip would be an impressive bench press for a set of 10, that's not very good at 187. Pretty impressive in 39 innings. He's issued 21 walks and 11 home runs. Meanwhile, Kershaw has given up eight home runs himself in 59 innings, 320 ERA, 105 whip. He's not necessarily not backed up by the best of bullpens. You do have guys like Caleb Ferguson, Yimi Garcia and company that you don't necessarily trust, especially Joe Kelly. But with that said, the long relievers of the San Francisco Giants, also nothing to write home about. And with the Dodgers, you've got a bunch of bashers led by Cody Bellinger, 54 RBI, 20 home runs, 370 average. Justin Turner has not necessarily been providing a lot of power so far this year, but he's got a very good batting average. He's been a little bit in and out of the lineup, but he's hitting above 300 max. Muncy, 272 average. Jock Peterson, 262. But with Jock Peterson, he's providing 18 home runs so far this year. Max Muncy, not too bad in his own right. 12 dingers there. Alex Verdugo is hitting 300. Chris Taylor has been up and down this year with a 225 average. And Kike Hernandez, not necessarily getting the job done, but Will Smith at the catcher spot seems to be providing something. And then you've also got Corey Seager, who's seen his average climb to a 243. And with the San Francisco Giants, as a collective, they just have not gotten a lot going on offense. 221 team average. Brandon Belt seems to be coming into his own, though. 245. 246 average, 19 home runs, 27 RBIs, nice, but their best hitter is probably Pablo Sandoval. He's hitting above a 280. He's got eight home runs so far this year. Mike Ustremski seen his average dip to a 238. That is the same for Joe Panic. Kevin Pilar is hitting a 213. Steven Duger, 241. Steven Voigt, a 250. Brian Crawford, a 208. Evan Longoria is hitting below 230. And Buster Posey's just been in and out all year long. So it is all about the LA Dodgers run line and the over in this spot. I'm going to be locking in the over at a 7.5 at even. And with the Dodgers run line, I'm seeing that right around minus 125. We'd like to be able to lay a little bit less juice there. We move on to 965, 966 on the bank rotation. The Boston Red Sox playoffs to the Tampa Bay Rays. Yoni Chirinos goes for the Rays. Rick Porcello goes for the Boston Red Sox. This game is off the board because Chirinos was not announced as the starter until... After the Rays were able to knock off the Detroit Tigers on Thursday, but with that said, I do like what I've seen out of Torino so far this year. He has been giving up a little bit of hard contact, but all in all, a 6-2 record. His ERA is hovering right around a 325. And then with Rick Porcello, it's just one of those things where are you going to get good Rick Porcello or are you going to get bad Rick Porcello? Because he right now has a 4-5 and record. He's shown some flashes of brilliance, but then he's given up a lot of hard contact as well. And that has actually been the case for Torino's, as I noted a little bit as well in 61 innings. Torino's has given up 10 home runs. Parcello, 68 innings, 11 home runs. And Porcello just 56 punch outs, but he's given up 23 walks. With the Tampa Bay Rays, you know that you're being backed up by a good bullpen. And for the Boston Red Sox, they had to use nearly all their bullpen arms against the Toronto Blue Jays yesterday as well. So that's something that you really want to note. Who's going to be coming out for them? Hector Velasquez or something like that? It's going to be a little bit of a horse apiece for them. Meanwhile, with the Tampa Bay Rays, you know that everyone's just on guard. And Austin Meadows right now doing a terrific job of hitting for the team. 12 home runs, 39 RBI. He has a 349 average. Brandon Lowe has provided the team a double digit amount of home runs with Avicio Garcia. Garcia, 10 home runs, 300 average, and then you've got Brandon Lowe hitting more in the neighborhood of a 275. Tommy Pham is hitting a 293. Willie Adamas, 256 average. He's on a come up. Christian Arroyo hitting just 211, but he had two home runs in that series against the Minnesota Twins. Travis Arno had two home runs yesterday. Daniel Robertson is working on his average at a 211, and Kevin Kiermaier hitting a 245 is not bad, and they've got Yandy Diaz off the injured list. Meanwhile, with the Boston Red Sox, Mookie Betts was able to get his 10th home run of the year yesterday, and Mitch Moreland has been in out of the lineup with his huge 28 average to go 13 home runs. Rafael Devers is hitting above 300 for the same Xander Bogarts and J.D. Martinez. Both have 12 home runs so far this year. Both are hitting in the 290s. They have both been providing a good spark. Andrew Benatendi seems to be getting hot with his average. He's now hitting a 267. Michael Chavis seems to be on a little bit of a downslope with his 248, but the 248 
of Eduardo Nunez is actually welcome because he's been improving on that. Christian Vasquez is hitting at 290. And then you've also got Brock Holt now in the lineup. He should be able to provide a little bit of something. But I do think that this is a spot where I'm going to be leaning towards the Tampa Bay Rays on some sort of a run line because I've noted it so many times. All but four of the Tampa Bay Rays win so far this year. I've been by two plus runs. And I do think that they should be able to pull it off here. So I'm going to be looking at the Rays on the run line. And the total is going to depend on the price. If we're seeing like a nine and a half, I'm going to take it under. If we're seeing more of something in the eights, might be looking at an over. But check back in the morning on my Twitter feed at GNR underscore one for that. 967-968 on the bank rotation. The Detroit Tigers are going to be playing host to the Minnesota Twins. For the Twins, it was supposed to be Kyle Gibson. They have scratched him, though. So right now, it is undecided. And for the Detroit Tigers, Matthew Boyd is going to be the starter. I can tell you right now, I'm probably going to be looking at the Minnesota Twins, even though Matthew Boyd has been absolutely sensational for the team. Minnesota Twins have been getting some very good bullpen pitching recently. I did like what I saw to Kyle Gibson, but obviously it's going to be someone else in this spot. Going to be very curious to see what happens there. But for Matthew Boyd, he has been good in this entire season. 5-4 record, 301 ERA, 77 and two-thirds innings, 97 strikeouts, just eight walks and eight home just 15 walks and eight home runs surrendered. And then with the Minnesota Twins, you've got a team that's just absolutely mashing left and right. Max Kepler now has 15 home runs so far this year in 61 games. The Minnesota Twins have pounded out 117 home runs. They're on pace for over 300, which would be a new MLB record. Meanwhile, the Detroit Tigers as a collective, they're hitting just 229. I will say that Nico Goodrum is now hitting more in the realm of 240. He's been hot the past week. And you got Miguel Cabrera hitting a 286. Problem is he has only three home runs. Ronnie Rodriguez has his average all the way down to a 212 to go with his six home runs. I do like what Nick Castellanos is showing. He's got six home runs himself. He's hitting more in the neighborhood of a 260, but Grayson Griner still hitting below the Mendoza line. Jacoby Jones has upped his average to a 242, but Dewell Lugo is hitting a 230. You've also got Christian Stewart hitting a 240. Brandon Dixon hitting a 300 is nice, but all in all, you're not getting much out of the Tigers' bats. And with the Tigers, the bullpen has been very shaky to say the least. When this game went off the board, the Minnesota Twins were about a minus 130 favorite, and the total on this game was 8.5, and, and I had already locked in the under. And with the Minnesota Twins, I do think that they're going to provide most of the offense in this game because you've got Jorge Polanco hitting a 336, Eddie Rosario, 18 home runs, 272 average, 50 RBI. CJ Crone is hitting right around to 270. He's got 13 home runs. Jonathan Scope has provided a 260 average to go with his 10 home runs. Byron Buxton is hitting a 262. Williams Estadio is hitting 260 as well. Then you got Mitch Garver hitting above 300. He just came off the injured list. Nelson Cruz just came off the injured list. And now they've got Miguel Sano back as well. So you've got so many weapons here with the Twins. Going to be looking at the Twins and most likely an under, but check back in the morning on my Twitter feed at GNRSGRD1. First set plays once the line is up there. We move on to 969-970 on the bank rotation. The Cleveland Indians playoffs to the New York Yankees. Domingo Herman goes for the Yankees. Zach Plesak for the Cleveland Indians. Throw in this game is nine. The under is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. The over is anywhere between minus 110 and even. If you're taking a look at the Yankees, you're going to be laying anywhere between minus 123 and minus 130. The plus price here with the Cleveland Indians is anywhere between plus 113 and plus 120. This is a spot where I do have to take a look at the New York Yankees, and we're seeing a lot of steam coming in on them. No doubt about it. That's because Zach Plesak not a household name, though I will say that in his first two starts, he was absolutely sensational. You take a look at what he was able to do in his 12 and a third innings, 146 ERA, gave up two walks or just one home run in that time, and he was terrific at AAA as well. Though I do think that he's in for a little bit of regression. 
because he's going to be going up against those New York Yankees bats. DJ LeMayo, 323 average, 7 home runs, 40 RBI. Luke Voigt, 15 home runs. Gary Sanchez, 19 home runs, 262 average. He has really been belting the ball out. Gio Urshela hitting above 330 for this team. You've also got Gleyber Torres, who has a double-digit amount of home runs. He's hitting right around a 280. Aaron Hicks seems to be finally getting hot after spending some time on the injured list. Kendrys Morales is not providing much, but Thario Estrada and Kevin Maven both hitting right around a 280, and Clint Frazier a 270 himself. And then you take a look at the Cleveland Indians. Their bats seem to be turning it around. Carlos Santana, 11 home runs, 284 average, 37 RBI. Gotta like the way that Francisco Lindor is hitting above 300 to go with his 11 home runs, but bats that you're not getting much. Jose Ramirez is hitting just above the Mendoza line. This used to be an MVP candidate. And then from there, Jake Bowers, Roberto Perez, Leonis Martin, all three of these guys are hitting below a 230. Orlando Mercado has been providing a 275. And Taylor Naquin just off the injured list at 265. Jordan Luplo, eight home runs ago with his 248 average. But all in all, you're not getting a whole lot of offensive production out of the Cleveland Indians for the year. But it does seem to be on a little bit of an uptick. And we do like that the Cleveland Indians have a good bullpen. But with the New York Yankees, you've got Tommy Camely, Zach Britton, Aroldis Chapman. The list goes on and on of great relievers. And I do think that Domingo Herman is going to have a little bit of a bounce back start here. Looked bad against the Kansas City Royals, but still a 9-1 record, 366 ERA. He's given up 10 home runs in 64 innings. I do think that he's going to get a hit a little bit, but I do think that Zach Blesak is in for regression. Going to be locking in the over of 9 at even here, and I'm all aboard the New York Yankees, and I've already locked that in as well. 971-972 on the bank rotation. It is the Texas Rangers playing host the Oakland A's. Lance Lynn goes for the Texas Rangers. Brad Anderson for the Oakland A's. Total in this game is 10.5. The over is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 105. The under is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 115. If you're taking a look at the Texas Rangers, they were the favorite at first. Now they are the underdog. If you're looking to bet them anywhere between minus 105 and plus 102. If you're wanting to take the Oakland A's here, that's anywhere between minus 109 and minus 112. This is a spot where I really do have to take a look at the Texas Rangers. I do like the way that Lance Lynn has pitched in seven out of his last nine starts. He has not given up a home run, and he's given up just six for the year, despite the fact that he pitches at Globe Life Park. That is absolutely sensational. Brett Anderson, meanwhile, he's allowed not too many home runs as well. In 66 innings, he's given up just six home runs. 395 ERA for Brett Anderson, more of a 450 for Lance Lynn, but Lance Lynn in the month of May had an ERA hovering right around a 315. And for the Oakland A's, they do seem to be finding their bats, including Mac Chapman. Matt Chapman, 267 average, 16 home runs, 36 RBI. Chris Davis is now back in the lineup as well, but I, what I will say for Chris Davis is the fact that he doesn't necessarily look like himself. He's got a 247 average. The fact that he got two hits yesterday was nice, and Steven Piscotti hitting a 265 with eight home runs, certainly helping out the cause. You've got Matt Marcana and Matt Olson that are not necessarily doing the best. Marcana, 237 average, Matt Olson, 221, though he's been providing some power. It is encouraging that LeBron Loreno is hitting a 260. Jerickson Profar has nine Home runs to go with his 207 average. And Jeff Feigley hitting a 265 has been nice for the team. But Marcus Simeon hitting a 259, a little bit of a downer. Meanwhile, you take a look at the Texas Rangers. Going to be without Joey Gallo. He was hitting right around 275 with 17 home runs before he went on the injured list. But you still do have some power, including Hunter Pence. Hitting just below 300. He's pounded out 12 home runs for this team. Sin Chu Chu was not in the lineup yesterday. But he's another gentleman that has a double-digit amount of home runs that hits hitting nearly 300. Danny Santana hitting 291. Noah Mazzara, 260. You've got Ezreal Cabrera with nine home runs. 251 average, but then you do have some famine bets as well. Ronald Guzman, Jeff Mathis, 
Isaiah Kinnear-Felfa, Rudned Odor, and Delano DeShields Jr., all ending a 231 or worse. So for that reason, leaning towards the under, but with the Texas Rangers, they are 22-10 and 10 so far at home. They've been very dominant in that regard, and I do like the way that their bullpen pitching is picking it up as well. So for that reason, on the Texas Rangers and the under here, and Wayne Seamoat on the Texas Rangers since Steam has come in on the Oakland A's, but have already locked in the under of 10.5. 973-974 on the bank rotation. The Houston Astros play to the Baltimore Orioles. Gabriel Yanoa goes for the Baltimore Orioles. Meanwhile, for the Houston Astros, it's Garrett Cole. Total in this game is 8 to 8.5. The 8.5's first. 8.5 has under of anywhere between minus 120 and minus 125. Juicy overs anywhere between even and plus 105 with the 8's. That is minus 110 for both the over and the under. With the Baltimore Orioles, you're getting a very big plus price here. Anywhere between plus 170 and $3. Meanwhile, if you want to lay it here with the Astros, that is anywhere between minus 330 and minus 380. This is a spot where you're going to call me crazy, but I'm going to be backing Gabriel Yona and company with the Baltimore Orioles. In his two starts, he hasn't necessarily been bad. He actually had a good showing against the Detroit Tigers. I know he's got an ERA hovering right around five, and he hasn't necessarily been the greatest starter in his career, but you take a look at Garrett Cole. He's doing a terrific job of being able to provide over 12 strikeouts per nine innings. You take a look at his numbers 394 ERA, 77 and a third innings, 116 strikeouts in those innings, but he's also given up 14 home runs. That's nearly two home runs per nine innings. And with the Baltimore Orioles, you do have a team that's doing a good job of raking. Dennis Dwight Smith Jr., 249 average, 11 home runs, 41 RBI. Trey Boomo Mancini, 12 home runs of his own, 306 average. Renato Nunes, 241 average, 15 home runs, 35 RBI. Hanser Alberto is hitting right around 300 for this team. Jonathan VR has seen his average dip to a 255 and then you've got C.V. Wilkerson who's now hitting a 236 but you do also have in the lineup Chris Davis now he's only hitting a buck 64 but he's a guy that we all know has a little bit of power. Keon Broxton not necessarily been doing the job with this team but with the Baltimore Orioles it does seem like their bullpen pitching is getting a little bit better and with the Houston Astros they entered into Thursday with the second best bullpen ERA out there in the big leagues but it seems to be letting them down and it's very tired after they had to do, play that extra ending game against the Seattle Mariners. They're still without Carlos Correa, Jose Altuve and George Springer as well so you want to note that and Michael Brantley doing a great job for this team. He's got a 329 average. He's been able to provide them with a amount of home runs that is currently sitting at 10. Alex Bregman, 281 average, 18 home runs, 44 RBI. But then you got Jake Marizic hitting right around to 250. Derek Fisher, no, not the former NBA player, is hitting right around a 260. You've got a bunch of guys that you need to rely upon for big hits like Robinson Torino, Siori Gurriel, Tyler White and company. These guys don't necessarily have an average above three. 250. You do have Josh Reddick who's hitting a 307, which is nice, but all in all, I do think that a hobbled Astros team should not be laying anywhere near this type of price. I am all about the Baltimore Orioles plus price here and the over. I'm right now pondering whether to take the plus price with the over or take one of the eights, so I'm in Wayne C mode there, and I'm right now in Wayne C mode on the Orioles as not too many people bold enough to pick them in this spot. 975-976 on the bag rotation. It is the Kansas City Royals, and they are playing OC Chicago White Sox. Ivan Nova goes for the Chicago White Sox, and it is Homer Bailey Day because we've got Homer Bailey going for the Kansas City Royals. Total on this game is 10. The over is anywhere between minus 105 and minus 110. The under is between minus 110 and minus 115. And for some reason, unbeknownst to me, the Royals are the favorite in this spot. They are anywhere between minus 120 and minus 125. Meanwhile, the plus price here with the White Sox, anywhere between plus 110 and plus 115. And this is a spot where I'm probably going to be looking at a reverse run line of the Chicago White Sox. I just really do not have a lot of faith in Homer Bailey. I know that Ivan Nova 
leads the league right now in runs and hits allowed by a starting pitcher, but he seems to be doing a whole lot better for this team recently. He's been giving up a lot of hits, but he's right now been limiting the damage. And with the Kansas City Royals, they're a very top-heavy lineup that really lends himself to it. Jorge Soler has been doing a good job for this team. 239 average, 16 home runs, 42 RBI. Under Dozier's out of the lineup, though. He was hitting 11 home runs ago, 314 on his average. You also do have Whit Merrifield, who's hitting right around a 290 for this team. Adalberto Mondesi has provided 42 RBI. He's hitting right in the realm of a 280 to a 285. Got to like the way that Alex Gordon has been picking things up for this team. 285 average, 10 home runs, and he's got 39 RBI. But then Ryan O'Hearn, Cam Gallagher, Nicky Lopez, Billy Hamilton, all guys hitting 235 or lower. I didn't even throw in there. Chris Owings was hitting below the Mendoza line, and you've also got Martin Maldonado hitting in that realm as well. Chesler Cuthbert has been terrific for this team, 375 average. He's provided three home runs in about a week, but with that said, I do think that this is a team that's going to wind up leaving a lot of men on base, and for the Chicago White Sox, you've got some power there as well. Tim Anderson hitting a 322 for this team. Yohan Moncada right around a 280. He's got 12 home runs at the top of the lineup. Lloris Garcia is hitting a 290. Charlie Tilson hitting a 260 has been nice. Yomer Sanchez is hitting a 260 himself. He's really been on a comeback. Jose Abreu, 254 average, 16 home runs, 52 RBI. Has been big for this team. Well, he gets in Castillo. So below the Mendoza line, but you got to think that that home run that you got against the Washington Nationals going to jumpstart him. And then with Omer Bailey, 6.05 ERA, 4-6 and six record, but in the last 32 games that he started, the teams that he started for, 5-27, and 27, and he too is lending himself to hard contact. 8 home runs given up in 55 innings. Ivan Nova, 13 home runs in 66 in a third innings, but he seems to be turning the corner. So for that reason, I've already locked in the under on this game, and I'm going to be riding the White Sox reverse run line that is currently off the board, but when it is posted in the morning, I will post that up. 977-978 on the bank rotation. The LA Angels playoffs to the Seattle Mariners. Marco Gonzalez goes for the Seattle Mariners. Andrew Heaney goes for the LA Angels. The total on this game is 9. The juice is all over the place with this one. The over is anywhere between even and minus 115. The under is anywhere between minus 105 and minus 120. If you're taking a look at the Mariners, you're going to be getting a plus price here. Anywhere between plus 153 and plus 160. Meanwhile, if you want to lay it here with the Seattle, if you want to lay it here with the LA Angels, that's anywhere between minus 165 and minus 175. And this is a spot where I really do have to look at the Seattle Mariners. I know that their bullpen got badly taxed in their last game because they had to go 14 innings against the Houston Astros, but I do think that Marco Gonzalez is going to be able to give a good start here. In his first 10 starts of the year, he gave up three runs or fewer in each of them. Now, he got tagged for 10 runs the last time he started against the LA Angels about a week ago, but this is still a gentleman that does a good job of keeping the ball in the yard. 77 in the third innings, he's given up just nine home runs. Meanwhile, Andrew Heaney, four home runs given up in 11 innings. He's been trying to make his way off the injured list, and He's running into a Seattle Mariners team that provides a lot of power. Edwin Encarnacion, 245 average, 17 home runs. Domingo Santana hitting 267, 11 home runs. He's got 45 RBI himself. Omar Navarro is hitting in the realm of a 282. You've got a Mariners team that's not necessarily hitting for great average, but then you've got Daniel Vogelbach hitting for 15 home runs. He's hitting right around a 245. Mitch Hanniger has 13 home runs to go with his 220 average. Malik Smith, Shed Long, and... Still more all hitting below 215 is obviously an issue for the team, but getting back Kyle Seeger, you got to think at some point is going to pay dividends for the team, and you've still got Tim Beckham, who's got double-digit amount of home runs. Meanwhile, you take a look at the flip side for the LA Angels. Their bullpen has been absolutely atrocious. Won the bottom 10 in the league the past month. You still have Mike Trout, though. 293 average, 16 home runs, 41 RBI. Tommy LaStella has really stepped up as well. He's got a 13, 313 average to go, 13 home runs. 
36 RBI. Albert Pujols has provided a double-digit amount of home runs as well, though he's only hitting 225. Cool Calhoun is sort of in the same boat as well. Double-digit amount of home runs there, but his average has been falling a little bit. 237 there. Shoei Otani is hitting a 250. Daniel Fletcher a 3. 12, Brandon Goodwin, a 283 as well. But then Jared Walsh and Luis Rangifo, both hitting right around a 245 to a 250 as well. But I do think that Gonzalez is going to be able to go deep in this game because the Seattle Mariners really need it. And I do think that the Mariners are going to be able to jump on Andrew Heaney in the spot. So for that reason, I'm going to be playing this total under, and I am going to be riding with the Seattle Mariners here. And Wayne Seamod since he has been coming in on the Angels, and I'm likely going to be locking in the Seattle Mariners on the under pretty soon here. As we go to the final game, 979-980 on the bank rotation, the Arizona Diamondbacks head north of the border to face off against the Toronto Blue Jays. Marcus Stroman goes for the Toronto Blue Jays. Meanwhile, Merrill Kelly goes for the Arizona Diamondbacks. The total on this game is 9. The under is anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. The over is between even and minus 105 and I'm actually seeing a plus 105 on the over and a minus 125 on the under as well with the Arizona Diamondbacks. The plus price here, anywhere between plus 123 and plus 140, so this is ranging quite a bit. And the Toronto Blue Jays laying anywhere between minus 135 and minus 150, so you're seeing a lot of movement here and I think a lot of it has to do with Merrill Kelly being just an up-and-down starter throughout his career so far this year. And you do take a look at Marcus Stroman. He has been one of the biggest tough luck losers out there in the big leagues. He's got a 278 ERA, and yet it really doesn't show because right now you take a look at his record, it would not indicate that it is a 3-7, and seven, 76 innings pitch. He's given up just five home runs. And then you take a look at Merrill Kelly. He's got a 5-6 record with a 4-4-1 ERA, 1-4-3 whip. In 67 and a third innings, he's given up 10 home runs. I will say this about the Detroit. I will say this about about the Arizona Diamondbacks. They certainly have the better bats in this spot for the Toronto Blue Jays. As a collective, they're hitting just 220. They are starting to get a little bit more power out of Justin Smoke. He's now got a 236 average goal, 12 home runs, 33 RBI, but Freddie Galvis has really seen his average drop, drop off a cliff. He's only hitting a 240. Eric Sogard has been doing a nice job. 285 average. He had a home run yesterday. And Vlad Guerrero Jr. seems to be picking up with his seven home runs. Nearly a 250 average, but Lourdes Gurriel, after coming off the injured list, looked good to start out with. Now he's hitting a 241. Tasker Hernandez and just their catchers in general are all hitting below the nose line. Brandon Drury, a 231 himself. But we are noticing that Randall Gritchick, even though he's hitting only a 232, was able to hit a couple home runs in that series against the Yankees. He now has 12 of them. But for the Arizona Diamondbacks, you've got Eduardo Escobar with a 281 average, 15 home runs, 48 RBI. David Peralta is hitting 300 for the same. Christian Walker, a 250 average. He's got a double digit amount of home runs after hitting a little bit of a snag out there in May. He seems to have righted the ship. And what else is riding the ship is the Arizona Diamondbacks bullpen. The Toronto Blue Jays is going in the opposite direction as guys like Sam Gavilio and Danny's and Danny Hudson and company have really been doing a lesser job out there in the bullpen. Meanwhile, guys like Greg Holland, Andrew Chafin and company are doing a better job for them. And we're also noticing that Gerard Dyson is now back in the lineup on a full-time basis. He's got a double-digit amount of seals to go with a 265 average. You've got Cattell Marte hitting a 270 with Nick Ahmad hitting just a little bit below that. But with Cattell Marte, 14 home runs, 43 RBI as well. And then you've also got... Tim LaCastro, who when needed, is able to provide the team with right around a 260 average. All the value here is on the Arizona Diamondbacks, so I'm going to be taking that plus price, and I've already locked in this total under. I'm just in waiting seam mode on the Diamondbacks because I'm noticing a lot of a lot of seam coming in on the Toronto Blue Jays. And that will do it for the very, very fast edition of Touch Em All. And a big thanks to all of you guys that listen to MLB Overtime Betting today. If you like what you're hearing from this fine podcast, you can subscribe on Apple iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. If you ever have any question for the podcast, feel free to tweet in at underscore. A big thanks to our man Scott Hastings over there at Odd Shark for joining me. And let's make today a successful, profitable, and fun one. And hopefully you're not talking as fast as I am. Thank you so much for tuning in.